So good morning. It's a privilege to be standing here today. And um, I think there are one or two visitors, so welcome to you too. A special welcome to Peter's sister Jane, who's visiting from Athens today. Um, as I uh, share this story with you, um, I would love for you to be able to think, how, how can this working of God that Sarah's talking about work in my life, in my job? Um, and uh, that's what I really hope that you will go away with, some fresh inspiration of how whatever situation you are in, um, God is at work and that you will be able to see that as you walk through the coming weeks. I wonder if any of you have a significant childhood memory, a significant childhood memory, not necessarily your earliest one, but a significant one. I recall at the age of 10, watching the nine lessons and carols service from King's Cambridge. There'd been talk between my parents as to where I would go for my secondary education. And I pleaded with my mother to send me to that school, as singing was my passion. I was told that I couldn't there, I couldn't go there because I was a girl. That remark prompted the dawning realization that boys and girls were not equal in this world certainly not in the world of the child I was growing up in. I was sent to a boarding school, but it was a daunting all-girls establishment high on a cliff top, from which I was jettisoned seven years later with a broad, academic, um, a broad education, but very few academic qualifications, into a profoundly male-dominated society. This was a school where on Sunday we wore white gloves to chapel in the summer, where we had brass bedsteads and lumpy horsehair mattresses and sweets only at the weekends. However, it was also a school where we had daily assemblies and chapel twice on a Sunday. And through my music teacher, I was led to committing my life to Christ, and it is his leading that has shaped my life and actions. <laughs> What I'm sharing with you today is how the Lord has guided my life and work over the last decade. However, the resilience, the skills and drive to achieve, despite being a woman and at times facing ageism as well as sexism, has been learnt through living life as a Christian since my late teens and enthroning him daily with the little choices and the quiet moments. I've not lived my life as an exotic missionary, but there are many stories I could tell of seeing the Lord at work, such as how the Lord told me that Peter was the man I was going to marry when building a road, and how I was baptised by Cliff Arnold at, as my elder at Millmead. When that happened, the power of the Lord was revealed to me, and how I knocked on many doors, but it was the unexpected one which opened when I took on my first role as a head teacher. How when I was in Zambia with Charlie and Sharon, I witnessed an evil spirit flee when praying for deliverance over a Zambian lady in the middle of the African bush and saw the Holy Spirit take its place. Not to mention the extraordinary way the hand of God has moved for Mechanics for Africa since we were all involved in it since its first inception in 2002. 
However, I start this sermon really in 2009, when I was absolutely distraught through what I saw was a failure, but what I now look on as an apprenticeship. The school which I had turned around and led to be outstanding was consumed into another charity and I was bereft. But one of this congregation, David Lucas, challenged me with the words, well, Sarah, you now have a choice. You can stop or you can look around to see what else you can do for education. I received an invitation to start a school in Tower Hamlets. So an oblique August bank holiday Monday in 2009, I moved to the Isle of Dogs in Tower Hamlets to set up a low-cost independent school in a rough artisan community. This was the second part of my apprenticeship, although, of course, I was not aware of it at the time. Nine months later, the school gained an outstanding Ofsted rating, but I had fallen out with the company, who I found were very right-wing and were undercutting the teachers' wages. You can imagine this did not go down well with someone who fought for women's rights for much of her life. But that same week, the MP, Michael Gove, announced his free school agenda. I'd always wanted to offer independent style education for free, and here was my opportunity. After the company rejected my idea that they could turn their school into a free school, with no more ado, I left them, and I registered the name Canary Wharf College on the 11th of August, 2010. The primary schools on the Isle of Dogs were not bad, but they were uninspired and did little other than focus on English and maths. And apart from the all-white C of E school and the very oversubscribed Catholic school, Christianity did not feature in any of the other five schools, and the secondary was dire, gaining only 48%. 5A to C grades at GCSE. In Tower Hamlets, the mayor was corrupt, as you probably heard from the news, and the Muslim community dominated the local council offices. Like Nehemiah in chapter one, which I know Ian spoke about last week, I prayed, I was somewhat afraid, and I was sad at what I'd seen over the previous year living in the Isle of Dogs. Now, as I go through this talk, I'm hoping that you're going to be able to double task and speed read Nehemiah as I refer to each chapter, okay? So if you open your Bible on Nehemiah, I'm sure many of you have read Nehemiah, but I will reference to Nehemiah uh, as I have gone through the last 10 years um, just the various chapters as we pass through them. In my prayers, the Lord laid on my heart that I had to contact a certain Christian who I'd met briefly only twice. I knew she had a key to finding a site for this new school. I recall waiting on my bike for a bridge over the dock lock to be lowered. When out of a nearby car, there came this call, Mrs. Counter, Sarah Counter, Mrs. Counter. I was amazed as it was the lady that I'd prayed to find. I learnt that God anoints holy relationships, not heroic individuals. A week later, she led me to a site where she herself had walked around and prayed with two other Christians and prayed that it would fall into the hands of a Christian and used for God's purposes. Most of the building was totally decrepit and required complete demolition. 
but a small 1930s section was suitable for just refurbishment, and we could start the school in that section whilst pulling down the rest. It even had a small chapel. The Lord was gracious, even though my office for three years was in a corridor. So what is a free school? Uh, it's just starting up academy. It's a start-up academy. That's all it is. There's a video here that will help you. Canary Wharf College was among the first free schools to open. Located in Tower Hamlets, one of London's most deprived areas, it's very different from many other schools in the area. Class size is limited to 20, the curriculum is wide, and it runs a longer school day. I took a chance because of the smaller class sizes more than anything, and it was just an exciting time, an exciting curriculum, something different, something new. And my daughter was speaking French at four, reading at four, and it's, she sings to me in Mandarin now. But critics say the flexibility that free schools have over the curriculum and their admissions and finances can make them unfair. There are now more than 400 free schools open or approved to open. The new school's network works on helping them apply and set up. They receive exactly the same amount of funding per pupil as other types of schools. The difference is that they get complete control over how they spend that budget because the funding for them comes direct from central government rather than going through local government as with other types of schools. Canary Wharf College's founder says she couldn't have achieved her goals within the state comprehensive school system, which is controlled by local government authorities. I think the difficulty is actually being able to work with people who will allow you to think outside the box. And that, and that, is, that is the challenge that uh, is faced when you're dealing with anything that comes from a, a traditional um, approach. But free schools put more power into the hands of head teachers, permitting them to employ unqualified teachers if they choose to do so, and giving them more flexibility over how they raise and handle additional funding. The application process is rigorous. To open a free school, you've got to put together a 100-page application document and submit it to the government. And within that, you've got to set out your education plans, finance plans, details of the governors of the school, and crucially, you've got to show that there's support from local parents for the school, because no free school can start unless there's a clear and evident demand from local parents that they want this school in their area. Part of Sarah Counter's vision for Canary Wharf College, which comprises two primary schools, is to provide education with a Christian ethos. Half the pupil places are Christian faith places, while the other half are open to all children in the area. Parents are queuing up to get their children into the school. Because it's, it's so popular, we were six times oversubscribed this year in the founding school and five times oversubscribed in the uh, second school, uh, which makes us, within Tower Hamlets per pupil place, the most popular school. So we're really answering a parental um, desire. There are many similarities in what Nehemiah undertook in chapter two as to my early days in the free schools. He had to write a business case, so did I. Nehemiah needed passes, wood, and resources from the governors. I needed approval and building and resources and money from the government. Nehemiah had to be brave before the king. I had to be brave before David Cameron and Michael Gove. Michael wrote to me to think carefully about my faith criteria. He was concerned at my proposal for a Christian ethos. I thought for two milliseconds and applied to Parliament to be a Christian school of religious character. All of our three schools now are Christian schools of religious character. 
As in Nehemiah chapter 3, Nehemiah started to build and got people on board. The vision, he got different families to help. I had to do the same. And those early days were really tough. It was a fight with government bureaucracy to get the first school open within a year. Out of 700 expressions of interest, only 300 actually applied, and out of those, only 22 opened, of which there were four that were totally independent teacher-parent-led companies like mine in September 2011. It was the Lord that guided me through those difficult days. Local parents rallied. We were full the first year we opened, but it was hard. I appointed a Welsh business manager from a chapel background, and he and I, from our puritanical roots, have strictly controlled our expenditure. We've cried together, we've been angry together, but we've also prayed together and got through nine very challenging years. Husband Peter could see the pressure and did much to help in those early days, giving very generously of his time. The wife of our chair of governors volunteered every week to put up signs and to build units. Other Christian parents helped with the library, and one family gave toys for, uh, for reception. It seemed to take ages for the money to come through, as the big society vision of the then new Conservative government had not reckoned on the slow wheels of the British civil service. Another parent, an East End, uh, an East End reclaim merchant, alias a rag and bone man, uh, took up the floorboards of the old building before it was pulled down and sold them. And he gave us the reclamation money and also found us some furniture. I will always remember one old uh, East Ender who lived opposite the original site saying to me, you done good girl, you done good, which I thought was a real blessing. As you can imagine, I've got many stories those of Ofsted inspectors dripping with blood, of signing a £3 million land purchase contract, water pouring through the ceilings unexpectedly as builders pierced water pipes, demolition taking place alongside the school with the imminent arrival of yet another Ofsted inspector. We had to repair leaking roofs and doors as well as build a new building at the same time as setting up systems and running schools. All this was happening alongside visits to Downing Street, the Department for Education and the House of Lords. It was a surreal and giddy experience in those early days of the Conservative government. With God's grace, I lived in faith and by the seat of my pants we scraped through to an outstanding inspection rating and I wrote a business case for another school. There were times when I had to be bold like when I was challenged by a civil servant who doubted we would find a second site on the Isle of Dogs for a school. And being quizzed in a cafe, I found myself replying, well, if God is for us, who can be against us? It just rippled off my tongue. And then I thought, well, where did that come from? Um, it could only have been of the Holy Spirit. The second site was one of the last remaining bomb sites right in the southern tip of the Isle of Dogs. With Mayor Boris Johnson's help, we bought a strip of land from the police, which made it just big enough for a second primary school. Nehemiah, in chapter 4, was laughed and jeered at with the words, even if a fox climbed upon it, he could break down the walls that they are building of stones. And so it was with our schools. We were ridiculed as we had very limited outside play, uh, play space 
and insults have been thrown at us continuously, including vile Twitter comments. In all my years at boarding school, I never received the blanking, ridicule, and frankly bullying by anyone to the level that I have received from the primary Tower Hamlet's heads. We have been challenged from every side with building works, DfE advisors, and Ofsted constantly yapping at our heels. The Tower Hamlets Council schemed to harm us in the same way that Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab plotted against Nehemiah in Chapter 6. The mainly Muslim councillors did not want another Christian school. We needed prayer. A London City Mission minister was wonderful and started to pray weekly with us as leadership and daily at home for me. A corrupt Labour councillor trumped up 20 signatories to block the planning, so it had to go to full planning committee, not once, but twice. They tried to publicly discredit me in the planning meetings. In those planning offices, I could sense the presence of evil. It took the newly appointed mayor, the previous one having been locked up in prison for his corruption, it took him to come to the meeting and to eyeball his own corrupt councillors into passing planning permission the second time round for the second planning, uh, primary school. Having never previously taken any notice whatsoever of politics, I found myself up to my neck in the centre of a spiritual and political battle. Due to the day's delays in planning, we had to put the second school into Porter Cabin for two years. We opened with outside wedding-style portable toilets with no fresh running water, just the water bowsers under the toilets. We prayed daily that the press would not get hold of this. It took six long weeks for the local authority to connect us. They were just being obstructive. I learnt that the Lord can make people blind to what is blatantly obvious and will hold the mouths of gossips shut if it is needed for the success of his work. The press never got hold of it. You have to take God-inspired risks for the kingdom. I then wrote another business case. We started the first school with 60 children. We now have 660 children. Appointing the staff has been a challenge. Who wants to teach at a school with no reputation? It was very difficult to find strong teachers, and I had to use all my experience to lead. The Lord sent the right people, though, to help, and he also saved me on occasions from appointing disastrously wrong choices. We started with nine staff. We now have over 95 staff on payroll, plus additional catering and cleaning contractors. We also employ very, a number of extended day activity providers, as we offer over a 1,000 places uh, every week for the students uh, and children to be able to bre broaden their education. The payroll contracts and job descriptions for all these contractors and staff have to be organised and administered. And in the early days, I had to do nearly all of it myself, as well as some teaching. But gradually, I've been able to build up the most wonderful, wonderful team. And it's all about working in teams. Just as the community came together in Nehemiah 8, so our schools have become hubs of the community in the Isle of Dogs. 
The schools not only send out powerful Christian witness to the area, but they also provide homes for the churches. The London City Mission planted the City of Peace Church in the first school hall. A Calvary Chapel was planted in the second school hall. The minister of this church works for us as a facilities officer during the week, but can also be found praying with the principals in their weekly meeting with me. I love the dichotomy of that. It only happens when Christ is at the center of relationships. I woke up one morning and the Lord had laid on my heart to start a music school on a Saturday in the first school building. Each classroom is used as a teaching room. It's open to the community and over 100 children take music lessons there each week. In our second school, a drama school meets every Saturday for the community. Both our primary schools were designed so that the halls can be shut off from the main body of the school and in the evenings other activities such as judo, taekwondo can take place for the community. We run a community summer fete and over 2,000 people turn up. It goes out across the whole of Millwall Park alongside the dock. And children do projects for the community which start in the community and one, which you'll see now, is, is being rolled out right across the country, and you'll hear about it in the press in the coming weeks. Trash doesn't always end up where we think it does. A lot of the rubbish from our streets is getting washed down drains and knocked off bridges and ends up here. We found some amazing kids who, as part of their school, were going out onto boats in Canary Wharf and fishing for litter, so we decided to join. kids and their school, Canary Wharf College, pretty inspirational and we thought that their idea could lead on to something bigger, something, something. One of the children's mums, Christine Armstrong, had an idea. What if we use all of the bottles that we collected on this trip to make a boat? And what if that boat could then be used to collect more plastic and then we can build another boat with that plastic and it will go on and on and on forever? And that idea was just so good that it's taken us on a pretty bizarre journey from finding a company who can make something useful out of all of these plastic bottles to finding a maverick boat builder to build a vessel that doesn't just float but is actually finished and just launched off a quay in East London. Our hope is that inspirational ideas like this from people just like you and me can be used to spark debate with ordinary people and with big businesses to stop people littering, to get people to recycle plastic and to stop rubbish ending up in our rivers, oceans and fish.
We've made a short film series where you can see every stage of the boat building from bottle to boat, which you can watch here. Here. <laughs> I want to know what kind of rubbish is... So, you can actually follow that and the boat building. The Plaswood, the company that uh, made those planks out of the bottles, have just won a major prestigious award. Um, and uh, the third boat uh, is now about to be launched, um, and they're um, linking with various sponsors. Just as in Nehemiah 9, where he looks back at God's provision for the Jews, so when times get tough, I had to keep returning to God's provision, his promises, and cling on. Yes, cling on to those times when I've clearly seen the hand of God at work. As a social entrepreneur, in life there are setbacks, but I've learned to not let pain erode my faith. It won't last forever, despite the jealousy of the other heads, the spiritual battles, the obstruction of the council, the mind-numbing bureaucracy of our government. And out of all this, God can bring great beauty. Which brings me to the children. Some are from good families. A few are from wealthy families. One Middle Eastern pa uh, parent tried to bribe me with £25,000 to take their child. I was never sure if this was a plant by a local journalist but if it was, it failed. The wealthy, though, are definitely not the majority. And if you could just show this little PowerPoint, just let me read you um, some of the headlines. Children of eight take knives into primaries. Sexualized behavior in very young children is increasing, says teachers. Parents' drug use is driving an increase in abuse and neglect of children. Huge rise in UK child neglect prompts call for action. Most school support staff have been assaulted by pupils. Underage sex considered normal part of growing up, report warns. I've chosen those headlines because I have children who have experienced every single one of those headlines, and we have to help them. The children are from all sorts of backgrounds, nearly 50 different nationalities speaking over 25 languages between them. All face the harsh, loud, dirty challenges of city life with drugs on every street corner. We have children whose parents are in prison for drug dealing, others who are in prison for murder. We have children whose brains have been wrecked because of their parents' addiction to heroin before they were born, and those who are late to school because their parents are still completely stoned on marijuana the following morning. During the week, I live on the 35th floor of a tall grey tower block so that I don't have to commute from here every day. I drive up every Sunday night leaving my lovely home and garden behind each weekend. It's a commitment and sacrificial offering of my life. We have to be real in our walk with God and give him the very best. It is, however, a very nice flat, and I'm fortunate. But last year, drugs were being traded from the door right next to my front door. The miscreants were caught and are now being chased by the police. Their car's been impounded and the police have got £100,000 they didn't have before. But Tower Hamlets is a rough area. I don't need to watch EastEnders. In fact, only yesterday, uh, somebody was uh, mugged literally 50 yards 
in another block of flats inside the entrance hall to mine. And my secretary was accosted on the way to see me at midday, broad daylight, on Thursday. It is a tough, rough area and is deceptive. It is drugs that is at the root of it. As with Nehemiah, I found that although I've been taken to the brink, the Lord never tests you beyond that which you're able to bear. And there are great joys, such as when I see happy, fulfilled teachers who really we were their last-ditch school and they were about to give up the profession. There are parents who are so grateful. They say I've answered their prayers in bringing the schools with Christian values to the area. And there are children whose lives I know we have transformed. As Christians, with the Lord guiding, we can change the character of our environment. And with a living faith, we can bring about incredible transformational change. I opened the third secondary school, or rather the third school, which was a secondary school, two years ago. And just this September, we moved into a well-appointed interim building. So how much can I go on, I asked myself. People were telling me to think about retirement 10 years ago. I told Peter that maybe this December, the one just gone, I would think about moving on if we couldn't expand this multi-academy trust. That's when you've got three schools together. It's multi-academy trust. Because we need to continue to expand to make us financially viable in the long term due to the continuous decrease in funding for schools. But doors appear increasingly difficult to open when I won't take on schools of other faiths or with no faith. So now I'm about to tell you something really special. Living with God has to change how you live. So there I am with resignation letter close to hand, feeling I've done the job that the Lord led me to do, with three schools all set up and running successfully, each with their own principal. When close to the end of term, the head from another secondary school, six miles away, asked to join our trust. Now just picture this scenario. It was mid-December, bearing in mind that I had resignation letter to hand. Our own three choirs, boys and girls from each school, had joined together with hundreds of their peers for the carol service on the last day of term in the stunning Hawksmoor Church of St Anne's at Limehouse. And there it was to be seen, standing side by side, the Christian chair of governors of the new school, which wants to join us, with my own chair of governors, both singing lustily, O come, let us adore him, with the descant soaring overhead. But for the fact that I was actually conducting, I would have wept. And of course, I haven't handed in my notice. If we can't do things for the kingdom, who will? It looks likely that after the due diligence process, we may take on this engineering-orientated school and another 500 young people, many of whom are desperately needed. I've always been a little bit bemused at my role as educational trustee in Mechanics for Africa College in Zambia, and now it's abundantly clear that the Lord is making another connection. Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Having faith changes how we operate. It's fired me in the right direction, and like Nehemiah, has given me the assurance to move forward with confidence. Finally, I would value prayer for two things. First, that the Lord will give me wisdom and perseverance 
to fight through the mounds of paperwork, writing yet another business case and more bureaucracy to achieve the joining of this engineering school into our trust and all that that potentially could bring, not only to that school, but also possibly to Mechanics for Africa. And second, that the Lord will move the mountain that is in the way of us being awarded the West Ferry Printworks site for our secondary school, as we need a new and bigger site for that secondary school. So as we close, I think behind us is a lovely picture of the Isle of Dogs. And you will see uh, in the centre there is this big L-shaped dog. You may recognise it from the EastEnders title music. Our schools are um, right in the centre, one on the tip, and one right beside the dock, which you can see. And my block of flats is one of the tower blocks, grey tower blocks, at the end of that dock, that L-shaped dock. So the three schools are on the three stops of the DLR railway line that leads down the centre. And on the first school, we have a telephone mast. And when I came, the telephone mast was already there. And just as we moved in, they changed the mast and they put two minarets. I was absolutely furious. They disguised the telephone masts. And every day I got out of the DLR station. And as I walked towards the school, I noticed that the little chapel that glorious 1930s tiny little chapel that you saw the children singing in on that video. There's a spire and it had a cross on top and I noticed the cross was higher. And into my mind came a hymn from my childhood, Lift High the Cross. So I know many of you of the younger generation may not know this song, but if you don't, do what I did actually at the beginning where they sang a song that I didn't know, which was new and modern. Just look at the words of this song, because it is amazing. Lift high the cross, from north and south, from east and west they raise, in growing unison their song of praise. Let every race and every language tell of him who saves our souls from death and hell. And it just talks about how amazing Jesus is and how amazing it is to be a Christian and I pray that as you go through this week, this song will earworm its way into your mind too, and you will lift high the cross of Christ as you go about your daily business. Thank you. Thank you, Band. <laughs>